Hello and welcome back to Changing Room 4, the Championship Rugby Podcast with Sid, Fids and Jamie. I hope you're well, I hope you've had a good week, enjoyed the rugby this weekend. Before we start getting into it, let's just have a quick catch up with the boys. Fids, how have you been? What have you been up to? I am absolutely buzzing this weekend. It's been a fantastic weekend for sport. Watford are back in the Premier League, so up the oh, Hornets. Don't, don't start talking about Wendy Ball here, mate. Well, I have, so keep it in. Up the Hornets. We're up there. We're back in the Premier League. The England ladies are back as champions of the Six Nations. And Saracens today completed the hat-trick, so it's been a good weekend. And the sun is still shining. Bring it on. Bring on the rest of the summer. I am buzzing. I am buzzing. God, I think he's going to be insufferable today, Sid. What about you? Well, I mean, I've just been in, listening to some insufferable chat about cricket, which is just made me want to scratch my own <laughs> eyes out because uh, that would probably be easier than pulling my own ears off and yet I'd still be able to listen um, if I did that. I think. So, I mean, there's just no, no uh, saviour for me. But all you know, all in agreement on all the other stuff. You know, great about the women's and women's Six Nations and all the rest of it. Uh, you know, good news for England and and all that good stuff. So yeah, but yeah, we've also been having um, you know local rugby back, been training again, been coaching again, had some beers in the park. It's been good weather, having a good time, mate. So you're basically seventeen again. That's it. That's what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jamie? What about me? It's been a fairly quiet week. Work-wise, but this weekend's been good. As Sid says, back playing cricket yesterday. Didn't go so well with that, but there we go. Yeah, <laughs> snore, snore, I know. Um, but yeah, yeah, generally pretty good. And enjoyed a nice pub lunch for the first time oh, in 2021. Oh, lovely. Wonderful. Today. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah, it was lovely. Out in the garden, in the sunshine. Bit of a breeze. Food went a bit cold quite quickly, <laughs> but still, nice to be nice to be back out there doing something different. Or going back to something resembling normality. Excellent. Damn on. Let's move into the scores then. So it's been a oh, it's been a pretty, it's been a pretty big week actually in the championship, hasn't it? It's been. When's it not, mate? When's it not a big week? Well, (laughs) I know, I know. All this talk of the European Super League and uh, the the boring. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, all Say the no talk to of ring the Super fencing. League and and people met flagging it to Premiership Rugby. Obviously, we've always come out against ring fencing. We like the uh, we like it as it is with the opportunity to progress. But all this talk of ring fencing, just, <laughs> you just think, how can you? How can you when you get games like this in the Championship? Uh, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. So, the first game of the week was Hartbury against Coventry at the Alpass Arena. Coventry putting quite a lot of points on Hartbury there. It finished 24-47 to the visiting side. Um, big scoreline, that. Big scoreline. Don't think we were expecting it, but we'll discuss it more later. Uh, Cornish Pirates, home loss against Amptill, 18 points to 20. So, that's two home losses in the first two games. Jersey, though, back home for the first time this season, properly home, so congratulations to them. Ooh, ooh. They uh, finally finally get something that the rest of the teams have had. 
so far. They had a big win in front of fans for the first time again this season. 55-12 against Nottingham. 55-12. We uh, we mentioned a bit of a bit of a basement battle going on between Richmond Jersey and Nottingham last week and I think they've definitely staked the claim to move up out into the into the ground floor maybe. Um <laughs> What a forced analogy that was. That was horrendous. <laughs> Dreadful. <laughs> Moving oh, swiftly on. Well played. <laughs> <laughs> Moving swiftly on. Richmond at home to Doncaster. Five yellow cards. Absolutely did for them. They lost 12 points to 40. So the third home loss of the of the week. And then the the game we'd all been waiting for. Everybody was geared up to watch this one. Saracens at home against Ealing. But it didn't turn out to be quite the close affair that we all hoped. Saracens winning 48 points to Ealing's 20. Just clearly, clearly much better on the day there. So, uh, yeah, not not quite the showdown we'd all hoped for. But there we go. That's rugby. So, looking at the table then, Ealing still on top despite that loss uh, in first place. Doncaster still clinging on to second on 26 points. They've got an extra bonus point off this week, though, so that was good for them. Saracens still got a game in hand on Doncaster, so they're in third on 25 points. Cornish Pirates still in fourth, 21 points. Coventry climbing the way up after three straight wins for the first time in their championship career, I believe. Or Good stat. That's a great yeah, stat, if true. I, I think... I think I saw that on their Twitter, so uh, I'll uh, I'll blame them if that's not true. Uh, they're on 20 points. Amptill also doing well. They are on 15 points. Bedford Blues had a bye week this week, so they're in 7th on 11. Hartbury on the same points in 8th. Jersey putting a bit of distance between themselves and Richmond and Nottingham on 9. Richmond on 4, Nottingham still on 2. So, let's have a walk through the games and see what happened. Hartbury, Coventry, 24-47. What happened there? Hartbury have have fallen away there a bit. Yeah, in my mind, never mind uh, Hartbury falling away. I think uh, above that it will be where where has this performance come from, from Coventry? Since when are they part of the uh, crew that stick, you know, nearly 50 points on... Anyone else in this league, you know, it just seems to be the, the cool thing to do nowadays. Looking at the score lines across this weekend, there's a, a lot of big scores. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think. So Coventry previously have obviously got some wins under their belt, but uh, not not by that many points, I don't think. Um, or at least, you know, that many uh, in the four column. So good on them for a start. Yeah, uh, I mean, I agree with uh, what Sydney is saying, I think. I think it's disappointing from a Hartbury perspective that they've conceded 40-plus two games in a row. So, uh, and I know uh, that the director of rugby, John Barnes, not of World in Motion fame, but... Uh, That's what I'm saying. Certainly of El Paso Arena fame. <laughs> um, he, he came out yesterday and was saying that there seems to be a bit of an attitude issue. Um, you know, the, the same things that caused the errors last week against Amptill have caused the issues again this week and they once again have conceded 40 plus points so you know 
some of the bright sparks and bright things that happened at the beginning of the season with in terms of their attack, etc. You know, Ben Foley's now on a bit of a dry spell in terms of try scoring. Although he's still got five, he's still up there near the top. You know, he hasn't <laughs> scored since that was the his first round. He hasn't first scored since the you know second or third round. So it's it, you know something's not quite right there. But in terms of Coventry, you know, brilliant for them. I think we've spoken before about the strength that they seem to have within the forward pack and all uh, all their tries of the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven that they scored. So six of the seven were scored by forwards. Um, so, you know, completely highlighting the dominance that they had in that regard um, down at down at Hartbrin at the uh, El Paso Arena. So again, you know, Jordan Poole, who, who is the third choice hooker who's come in on loan, uh, I believe from Exeter. I think he's a chief. Yeah, that's right. Um, he's uh, back on the score sheet. He seems a shrewd signing. You know, he's come in and he's scored three tries now, I believe. Um, Senatiki Nayalu is a uh, representative of the British Army, but he's now on four tries for the season, the back rower there. Um, and there was even time for Cameron Jordan to come back from his sin bin uh, and get on the score sheet as well, the big second rower. So, yeah, a real strength of theirs seems to be the forward pack and I think that was the difference yesterday. It seems like they're playing with quite uh, a good intensity though. Um, they're a, cu- a couple of times they they took the initiative to just tap a couple of quick penalties and kick, catch Hartbury on the back foot, um, just really putting that extra pressure on and it resulted in a couple of tries, uh, I believe. So... Yeah, just just keep catching them unawares, or 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 maybe just napping slightly, um, really did sustain that pressure and and helped them open up quite a significant lead. As as you say, Sid, that's the first time they've scored anything like that number of points um, this season, and I, I, it's it's helped. And they've been, they have been building towards this. Uh, as I said slightly earlier, the it's the first time they've scored three wins in a row since promotion. I double-checked that stat. I think I said in their championship career, but that was incorrect. So, uh, yeah, since since promotion. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're doing well. They're definitely on the, on the front foot. Also, the only other side other than Saracens so far this season to win after their bye week. So they obviously used that time off very mm. constructively. Mm. Um, yeah, we've talked about the impact of the bye week before and said it can be a blessing and a curse. But uh, but this time around definitely seems to be a blessing. What do we know? Do we know anything more about this uh, Hartbury attitude issue? I just find that quite uh, quite curious. I haven't he- I haven't heard that. It's an interesting thing for a, a coach to talk about, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's, it it seems a thing. It seems the kind of thing that you don't usually have to deal with a mass attitude problem uh, at this level. Sometimes you have individual attitudes, but, you know, they're either sorted out or all those players sort of fall by the wayside before they get to this, you know, higher level of rugby. So it's just, yeah, interesting to look at what's really holding them back there. Uh, so it was it was Mark Cornwall. Mark Cornwall was disappointed by his team's display. It was the same set of problems all over again. The attitude is still not right and it's a problem that we need to sort out quickly. Well... That's quite an interesting one. Clearly, it's in the coaches' minds that the attitude and and determination and you know pure hunger for it 
is is a big determining factor in in this league. There was some conversations about uh, the Saracens and England game. What what will Saracens be saying in the in the dressing room before that match versus what will Ealing be saying? You know, Saracens will be saying that they've come across you know way bigger opponents and they're they're the professionals that have come come into this situation however many times before and for Alien this is you know it could be a do or die sort of game um so yeah what's the atmosphere is going to be like and yeah what are those individual attitudes going to be like and yeah if um if that is a real big determining factor that's that's something that's you know really really hard for a coaching staff to pick up on and, and to adjust really isn't it Oh, I know we've probably spoken about it a lot, but do, and feel free to cut this, Jamie. But does non-relegation from the championship create an atmosphere issue? Question mark. Mm, mm. Yeah, leave it a question so mark. Does the fact that these games are dead rubbers, question mark, allude mm. to a feeling of uh, it doesn't matter what happens? There might be an element of sitting on your laurels, but I, I, I find it hard to believe that in level two rugby you would get too many people with that kind of attitude. Generally, if you've got up to level two, those people have been weeded out. They're the energy suckers and they would have been cast off pretty early on, I think. I I don't think... You might have one or two that might think that and, okay, one bad apple ruins the barrel, but I don't think that would be something that would factor forget individuals for a moment and forget the players if you're a head coach or a coaching team a coaching staff whatever and it's a fact that you will have a peak period and you'll have a build-up and a drop-off obviously internationals they'll do it where you want to be peaking at world cups and stuff like that if you're not in the top four the top five now is there any point in uh, you carrying on with your initial plan to be peaking at the end of the season? Or is this when you start filling in your rotations a little bit more and getting some other players some game time? Because you don't need to worry about, you know, dropping off then. And then so you enter next season with everyone having a little bit more game time under their belt. But those top players, you know, not feeling the fatigue as much. So it's not necessarily a subconscious it's actually a, a a conscious decision to i wouldn't say tank not they're not tanking games but just strategically place their peak point in a different spot now two things that stand out to me there you mentioned fatigue don't think the players are going to be fatigued after a 10 week season don't think that's going to factor into it and having to rest people for for extended periods and things like that so personally no not, that's not an issue for me. The second point is that we're seven weeks in and yes, they're not competing for the top few places. However, we are only seven weeks in. So these guys haven't played week in, week out with each other for weeks and weeks and seasons and seasons because obviously we've just had a 12-month a layoff. So if I was a coach, I'd be playing my strongest team every time and trying to get them more familiar with working with each other and working out the systems and where each other are going to be and just get that get that intuition building and going rather than 
messing around trying to give more people more time and resting people i'd be trying to build up that that knowledge of your other team members Next game then was what I would call quite a surprise result. Cornish Pirates at home lost 18 points to 20 against Amtil. It was a 77th minute penalty which lost it. Um, So it was a tight game and from what I can understand the wind did play quite a big factor in the Pirates kicking game. But Amtil just hung in there, stuck in, really really brought it back and just worked through the phases, did the hard work, nothing too showy by all accounts. It was just working it, working it, keeping the pressure on, keep playing through those phases and eventually coming out on top. I I would agree. I think when you uh, ran through the results at the top of the show, you said that the commentary result was big. I, I would argue that this is probably the biggest result of the weekend. Uh, Amter went all the way down to Penzance and got the... Got the win. I think that was a big shock. You know, I think if you look at the game, Cornish Pirates outscored them three tries to one. So you're probably thinking that the the Pirates had the the running of the game, but uh, I think it quite evidently shows that the spirit and the determination in the Amptill squad to stay in the fight, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, try on debut for Richard Streets, who was their close off season signing from Hartford. Made his first start in the centres. He he popped up with ultimately what probably turned out to be the difference in the match winning try. Um, and fair play to them. They they stayed in the the arm wrestle and kicked that that penalty towards the end of the game, as you said, Jamie. And that I think that knocked the stuffing out of the Pirates players in the end. Um, but fantastic result for them on for Ampton on the road and. Uh, Again, as we said last week, they seem to be building just at the right time as we head into the business end of the season. So, great result for them. Their director of rugby, Mark Lavery, he did say this is arguably Amptil's biggest result ever. So, uh, and I would agree that Cornish Pirates on the road is not an easy game for anyone, um, as Saracens proved at the the very beginning of the season. So, yeah, for Amptil to to do a job on them is very, very well done to them. I did mention about the wind. However, Amptil still put over five penalties. So their kickers managed to, to deal with it. And it sounds like penalties did affect the Cornish Pirates. Their their penalty count was too high. If if you're providing five kickable penalties and maybe a couple more missed, I'm not sure. But at least five kickable penalties, then your your discipline's got a bit of an issue there, don't you think, Sid? Yeah, discipline is, is something that we've been talking about for a long time. Um, it makes you it makes you wonder whether um, players really look at the yellow card as uh, enough of a consequence now. I mean, looking at it today, it seems like it going into the games, you know, like against Saracens and against the teams that are maybe you know a few positions higher up the table than those that are sitting in the uh, bottom half. It seems like, you know, when they're defending those five metre line outs and stuff like that, they don't mind pulling them all down or anything like that and, and maybe sacrificing the um, the yellow card if it means just one more attempt at stopping them from getting to the line. So, you know, is that enough of a deterrent? We saw more of it in the Richmond game. So are those are those yellow cards enough to put people off of, of that style of play? We don't really know yet. But looking at um, Amptil's performance regardless, um, it seems to have come at just at the right time in the season. I'm just looking through the uh, record for Amptil and obviously 
this is a nice bit of momentum for them where we've said in previous weeks it's going to be a real hard struggle for them to link together anything more than two wins in a row um, but they're on their way to doing it so good for them and it's also getting dangerously close now to the point where anyone can beat anyone uh, in this league bar I think you know Saracen I'd is. say and, and anyone can beat anyone kind of from fourth place downwards really yeah right? yeah you've it, got the three teams that are are taking taking it away from everybody else at the top but once you get fourth and below we're seeing all kinds of mixed results yeah I mean absolutely. Abdul have beaten Cornish Pirates who are in fourth and Harper in Coventry yeah it's it's certainly possible I would I would say though now with Cornish's Pirates result now against Amptill I would say that that unfortunately rules them out of contention for the final I think it's going to be hard. Going to be hard to come back from that, isn't I, it? I think, you know, Saracens have got a game in hand on them. Already four points better off. I can't see Saracens slipping up again. So I think that's, unfortunately now, Cornish Pirates' involvement in any potential final at the end of the season over for a year. Yeah, with only three games left, it's it's a big ask and you're you're relying on other people's results. So. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a shame because they're my second team. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see them do well. On to Jersey against Nottingham then. Mammoth, 55 points to 12 for Jersey there. And just a word for them. How good must it be for them to be back home in front of fans? The only team to have been in front of fans this season. What an atmosphere it must have been at the Stade Santander International, hey? Well, there's got to be there's got to be something to that, hasn't there? You don't just randomly put fifty five points on a team, you know, on a random game like that without without something giving you an extra little boost. Not when you've been struggling, yeah, the exactly. So far, this is only their second exactly. win, and they've got nowhere near that that number yeah. of points. And and they don't have to travel. And they don't they have, have, have to travel, travel. which that is a a real pain in the neck uh to be you know Cornwall's one thing but <laughs> but Jersey you know but Jersey, that is yeah. that is a that is a whole other kettle of fish but um yeah great to see that they're putting up those kind of numbers and in front of their fans what what do you think's really worked there for them then Charles because like we said they've not come anywhere close to putting those numbers those kinds of numbers on any other team but now all of a sudden they pulled it out of the bag so what's what's worked in their favour in terms of preparation and training, you haven't had to do... They've probably still done all their COVID testing like they would normally, but then you're at home, so you can do your training. You don't have to travel again, so you're probably taking another day out of the schedule. And then in terms of their attacking play, I just think you look at the... Out of six of the nine tries that they scored yesterday were from the back division. So I think, you know, we've had some really lovely weather. It's very much suited to running rugby... Whether that's Jersey's style or not, who knows? But maybe they decided that against Nottingham, who have struggled, let's be honest, that they could throw the ball around and just try a few things. And, you know, Brendan Owen has been, I think, a lot of the good stuff that they've done has come through him. You know, he's now on five tries in the last two fixtures. He scored a hat-trick yesterday um, from the wing. He's been playing at fullback as well for them. So I think a lot of the good work has really been through that back division and I think for me the the change that has caused that has been the introduction of Max Green he's uh, on loan I believe from Bath is at scrum half 
has played the last three games and I think has really added to the impetus of, of real quick ball to, to service that back division who who are now finding their feet and they've got some real strike runners and some proper finishers there and I think that's really helped them. So that's what I would say, Jamie, has, uh, has helped Jez. And I think, again, on that, it's helped that they've played Nottingham who have been poor this season. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Max Green is looking really, really sharp. He's been quite an astute signing for for the Reds. I think Nottingham did show a lot of intent and ambition in terms of the way they played, but just just the skill level might not be there. It seems a couple of the jersey tries came off came off opportunities or, or chances missed from Nottingham, basically. So when the ball went loose, didn't quite go to hand uh, and Jersey just pounced. I think there was an interception try. I think it was Brendan Owen's hat-trick try was an interception. So whilst showing intent, it's just not quite working yet and unfortunately just compounded their misery when Jersey capitalised. So the last game on Saturday was Richmond against Doncaster. Home game for Richmond at the Richmond Athletic Ground. Lost that one quite heavily, 12 points to 40. Doncaster recovered from their their Saracens beating the week before and uh, decided to take it out on the new boys. They definitely did take it out on the new boys, but I think the new boys had a hand in their own downfall. If uh, yes. we're being completely yes. honest with uh, the five yellow cards that they received. Five <laughs> yellow cards? Throughout the game, yeah. Five? I, I, I cannot think of another game that I've seen in any format of world rugby where I've five yellow cards have, have occurred. Uh, that's 50 minutes they, they <laughs> didn't have a full contingent out of the 80. Potent- potentially, fi- potentially 50 minutes, unless uh, a couple of them came on top of each other. But... Big pardon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, a slight, slight slip of the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, does that mean I'm going to have to mark this episode as explicit now? <laughs> I think I'll we'll have to, yeah, after you've uh, suggested that. There was one earlier as well, but I managed to keep well, my mouth shut. <laughs> Let's rephrase that then. So if a couple of the if a couple of the cards came along at the same time at the same time or within ten minutes of each other. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Yes, that certainly certainly didn't help Richmond's cause. Um, you know, again a number of of points were scored. But what I I want to point out from, you know, the Doncaster you know, team selection. Whereas other squads and other clubs have maybe changed things up a little bit more than they'd like to. Doncaster have had a very settled squad, and they've—I I, believe—they've sort of taken the approach that they want to upset the apple cart in terms of breaking into that top two. And I, I know they lost to Saracens last week, but the majority of of the the guys that started yesterday have played five, six games. Some have played seven. It's very settled. Guys have got game time together. They know what they're doing. And I I just think they're a very well-drilled outfit, play to a very particular plan. And I I say that because Jack Spittle didn't play 
yesterday who was their top do, scorer. Do we know why that was? Was it injury or, or is he just been rested? Injury based, but okay. he was taken out, so they've had taken him off, and then Howard Packman comes in to replace him. Two tries, in his, two tries in his first appearance of the season. So I believe they've got a very good platform and they know what they're doing. They're well drilled and it just seems to be really clicking for them. It's, so. it's, almost, like, it's almost like some smart chap said that three or four weeks ago. And, and I wonder who that know, could be. It's almost... I, I don't, I it's don't almost know. There's as never if, been any smart chaps on this podcast. It's almost as if... Somebody had said. Did, did, did people are people aware that Sid Young is actually a rugby coach and is available for for all your future predicting? Needs? Evidently, because well, what, since do you about... mean are people aware based on the reference every single episode? <laughs> yeah, well, if they're not if they're not aware well, now, then ne- they never will be. But um, Sid Young is available to hire hey. for a very reasonable rate. Um, I'm not cheap. Please get in touch with him. <laughs> um, but. Did I or did I not say from week three or week four they they look to have their their plan in motion and they're sticking to their guns even when they came up against Saracens they didn't deviate from their plan they look orchestrated the entire team knows what what's going on Fids exactly as you say Spittle wasn't there today yet um you know and he is hugely instrumental um but. Everyone, you know, still still knew what the game plan was. Still, still knew the plan of attack. Um, managed to execute and then put on a a big old scoreline like that. So, you know, they've they've found their style of play. They're sticking to it, and as we've been saying, you know, week in week out, there's no reason to deviate from it. So, a word on Richmond then. A word on Richmond. That bloody ground looked good, didn't it? The Atletico. The Atletico Richmond. Always does. It looks Always so does, good. but I was thinking more <laughs> along the lines of the team. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and <mean>. the play. <laughs> um, you know who does always look sharp? You've got to give it to him. Uh, and he was um, he was given Richmond's own man of the match um, for this game. Callum Watson at nine. Here, here. Just, yeah. Super, super sharp. Intelligent player manages everything incredibly well and he's the kind of bloke where I think you could drop him in anywhere from 9 to 15 and uh, and he'll do a job. Um, he's just a good all-round athlete, good all-round rugby player. Um, he's definitely the kind of bloke that you want on your, on your team. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of sharp nines around the league at the moment. We've spoken about Max Green, we spoke about Jordan Burns at Ealing last week, um, a few others... Our mind has gone slightly blank. I was gonna, I was gonna help you out there, Jamie. Um, Hartbury this weekend uh, saw the uh, return of Toby Venner, and he got two yesterday as well. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think there's a lot. Uh, it's a good crop of nines in mm. the championship right mm. now. Uh, definitely keeping up the pace of play and and pushing the boys to to keep the pressure on the opposition. So, but yes, yeah, so I was yeah. gonna say exactly the same as Sid with regard to Richmond. Uh, that's Callum Watson's second try now. He's their top try scorer. His first one against Hartbury in round one was a uh, tap and go from inside his own half and he broke away and finished it off. And this, C- this weekend, very similar situation, but the ball sort of was bouncing around and it was a bit scrappy and he just picked it up, saw a gap and, and was away. And, you know, being a younger brother of both Anthony and Mark, Marcus, who uh, 
have lit Is up he? England ah. and the Prem. Who are they? Never heard of them. He's obviously got a little <laughs> bit of X factor about him. So um, you know, who... I was not aware of that. Yeah, he's he's younger brother. So um, I see. He's obviously got good genes, and uh, I'm sure we'll see him in the Premiership at some point. Time off. Last but absolutely not least was the showdown that everybody had been waiting for in the Championship this season, let alone this week, was Saracens versus Ealing. Saracens again fielding 11 internationals in their starting lineup, so absolutely not taking this league lightly at all. Ealing putting out as strong a side as they could with uh, with a couple of injuries off the back of last week. But unfortunately, not as close and as tight as we might have hoped. It was for a little while. I think at half-time it was 23-13 to Saracens, so Ealing still within touching distance. But in the second half, it really got away from from them and Saracens took it to 48 points to 20 at full time. Sid, I think you were watching this one. Yeah, so up until that um that half time mark. So that it, it turned to 23 13 on the stroke half time as well. It was it was 2013, so it was just one try in it. Um all the way up until half time and even after half time for for quite a while. Um it did always feel like Ealing Ealing were in it. They were uh contesting. Um but I think what the the really telling moments were um, were the times when you know the forwards were bashing it up when they were two or three meters out from the Saracens try line and Ealing were trying to get over, and you're sitting there thinking to yourself, right, okay, well this is the test. If if Ealing really want to take himself seriously as a Premiership team, there's nowhere to hide now. Um, the Saris defence, they're going to have a job on their hands trying to trying to keep these boys out. Uh, but can they get through? You know, how many opportunities is it going to take for them to, to, to break through this line? Not only are they a premiership team, Saracens, by all accounts, but they are, you know, <laughs> they are very <laughs> experienced and uh, very high-performing uh, former premiership team with a lot of, as you say, a lot of internationals in there. Um so when it came to those, you know, three or four meters out hit ups, um, a couple of times Ealing, Ealing, you know, got through or whatever else, but the majority of the time it just seemed like the uh the dice was falling Saracen's way. And that's not actually anything up you know, that's up to luck. It's it's down to those players being one or two steps ahead them thinking just a little bit quicker them being a little bit more physical them being a little bit fitter um and that's the difference so fast forward i don't know how many years one two three five years um are saracens and Ealing in the premiership together uh we don't know what uh if they are what level are they going to be competing at are Ealing really going to be pushing out um the bottom half of the Premiership, to be honest, with a performance like that, they probably could. You know, not many teams go to uh, the Stonks, the Stonks Stadium, and um, put 20 points on Saracens. Let alone do they put 20 points on Saracens when they know that it's their biggest game of the season. They don't put 20 points on Saracens um, when they've got 11 internationals in their starting squad. Uh, So... 
by all accounts, England have done pretty well there. I'd also like to say that actually they put Saracens under so much pressure that Saracens, as you know, we talked about the discipline earlier, but Jackson Ray gave away the penalty try. Yeah. Uh, he, he sacked the maul, which was on its way to the try line. And so Ealing very much put Saracens under a lot of pressure. Um, I think they did miss Bobby DeVee. We spoke about it last week that he came off injured in there in last week's game. And he's been a bit of a leader for them in the pack. And I think they did miss him. Uh, they just needed that little extra bit of quality when it came to sort of facing that second row of Maritoje and Tim Swinson, who themselves are international players. And then obviously Saracen's back row being the quality that it is as well. But I think, again, I, th- I don't know whether... It is because Saracens, are, you know, train at that Premiership level. It's just that extra bit of quality that on the day shone through. But also, I want to say it's been a complete sort of Jekyll and Hyde season for Aaron Farrell. So last week I was sort of saying that he probably wasn't having the best time and would he make the Lions tour. Comes out today and is almost flawless off the tee. Yeah, but also two, I mean, at least two very uncharacteristic, unforced errors. Just, just like playing, you know, knock-ons. It was kind of... Uh... They were just unexpected passes, but they're the kind of things. This is it. Like he's he's at that level where you expect the world of him, uh, even if it is a complete bullet pass that's been fizzed to him, completely unexpected, and his back's turned halfway through it. You still expect him to um, catch it, and uh, yeah, he knocked a couple on, which was unusual. But I th- I think this is it. I think he is just such a high standard. It's only him that we set that. <laughs> expectation for really Sid you mentioned something about defence earlier on and it just got me thinking that perhaps Ealing having been so dominant in attack this season they've been so dominant and they've put countless points on all the teams they've played up till now perhaps their defensive capabilities just haven't been tested haven't had haven't been tested in the way that Saracens tested them, and that's caused this uh, th- this result for them. Yeah, I mean, whether that's down to the nature of the games, or whether that's down to the nature of how they train. Obviously, if you're going to be consistently putting 40, 50 points on teams, you need to be training a fair amount. You know, in attack, you need to be focusing a fair bit of time on that. So, how much of it are you are you committing to defensive plays? Yeah, I, I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking they just wouldn't have had that much opportunity to put their training into exactly, practice yeah. in the previous six mm. games. So perhaps it, it isn't the defense hasn't clicked on this occasion because. They haven't had to test it out and yeah. prove it. Yeah, watching the game, it did seem like there was, um, you know, there were some big shots going in, and there was a lot of pressure uh, applied, and a lot of a lot of the time, that's all it needs. It doesn't necessarily even need the the great big bone crunching hit. It it just needs that consistent pressure um, to to you know cause mistakes or whatever else. But um, what I think we did see was uh, Saracens basically out defend them there it was it was a couple of little mini battles going on there and every time there was a good defensive play from Ealing you'd have all those voices on the sidelines cheering them on lots of clapping and and patting on the head etc etc but then there were some absolutely monster hits you know one in particular sticking in my mind uh, I think it was uh, Mako Vinopola and Vincent Kopp uh, came in absolutely leveled one of the Ealing players and then it, it was like half the stadium was filled. 
the amount of noise that was coming out of uh, you know the the bench players the coaching staff um i don't know who who else was there the bin men i don't know <laughs> anyone else that was that was at the uh, at the stadium it, it, the noise was unreal um it seemed like that was almost a directive for the team that we you need to be behind them because if we're going to be behind them in 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 any uh in any match and in, in any sort of defensive set it's going to be for you know for this one for this set of 80 minutes looking forward to next week then so prediction time um, how did we do this week let's how did i do well yeah we'll, we'll quickly recap we'll quickly recap how we got on with our predictions last week so bringing up the rear with only two correct predictions from five was me <laughs> uncharacteristic and you're the host you're supposed to know everything uncharacteristically i only scored two out of five on my predictions there but still yeah not so not a good week for me uh marginally ahead on three out of five was sid i'll take marginally and then charles you got four out of five he does ran away with it this week so yeah well done but there we go so looking forward to next week game one amptil versus jersey that is a juicy fixture that is juicy (laughs) Belter. That is ruddy juicy. <laughs> Absolute belter. So, who am I going to come to first? Let's go, Sid. Oh, man. Okay, I said a couple of weeks ago that uh, Amtil are not going to be able to put together a winning streak of more than two games. So, I'm going to tr- I'm gonna hope that I prove myself right and going to say Jersey for the win. Oh, we had spoken about mm. games that Amtil were going to mm. target. And I think Jersey was one of them. Yeah, and for me, at home, Jersey have got to go back to the whole travelling thing, which they've not done very well this season. So I'm going with Amptil. Going with Amptil. Oh, it's, a, it's a difficult game. It's a doozy. <laughs> Jamie's going to go for a draw. <laughs> Please go for a draw. God, yeah, we haven't, we haven't considered draws. We haven't considered draws. I'm going to go Amptil as well, just because... I think just previous performances edge it slightly. So, yeah, Amptil for me. Uh, next one then, Coventry against Cornish Pirates. And another belter. You'd expect Cornish Pirates to want to put in some form of response. Coventry at home, on a really good run, playing full of confidence... And I just think that's going to edge it. I know Cornish Pirates are my second team, but I think Coventry will edge it. <laughs> so I'm sorry to everyone who's a Pirates fan that listens. I am sorry. I'm not even sure you've ever been to Cornwall. <laughs> Sid, who are you having? Uh, did a cricket tour to Newquay once. Um, I, I, I've been at Coventry. <laughs> um, and yeah, I agree. I think they're going to be... Uh, to use a to use a pirate analogy, they're going to have the wind in their sails. Oh no! No, get hey, out! Hey, get BBC, out. get on to this guy, Sack Jamie. <laughs> oh. Get on to me, mate. But it's true. I think I think Coventry are going to have the momentum. But um, I I'm going to say pirates. You're going to say pirates. I'm saying pirates. Oh, that was an about turn. Right, okay. I'd already written you down for Coventry the way you were talking there, so... Uh... No, 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 no. I, I, I was building to a, building to a um, crescendo climax. Right, okay. Uh, I... 
It's a doozy of a fixture, but I'm going to go with Coventry and back them for four wins. First time in four wins since promotion. Uh, Ealing versus Richmond. I think this will be a quick one. I'm going Ealing. I will also say Ealing, and I think they'll only they'll they'll be very disappointed that they only get a five point win. Um, <laughs> I think they'll put a bit of a score on. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go Elon as well, but I'm willing to bet that the uh, Richmond Athletic Ground looks really good. I'm sure it will, but they're playing at the Trail Finders. So. Oh, damn it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, bet exactly. still will, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be working on it. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be, it'll be great anyway. Uh, it'll look all the better for not being played on. Nottingham against Saracens, another another quick round, this one. I'm going Saracens. Yeah. Nottingham. <laughs> no, you're not. Yeah, no Saracens for me. I think it, again, might be a bit of a bloodbath. Saracens, Saracens. And then uh, Doncaster versus Bedford. Another doozy. At the Castle Park. At Castle Park. Uh, I'm going Donny convincingly for that one. I don't think it is. I don't think that's too yeah, much Donny of a, convincingly. Uh, a big call. I think they're going to smash it. Okay. I think it will be a doozy. I think it'll be a good game to watch. Um, but I'm going for a home win. Yeah, I'm going Doncaster as well. Although, boringly, Charles, that puts you and me on equal. We've done the same predictions. Oh, so that'd be five out of five then. So uh, Probably. <laughs> Last play. It's last play with a bit of a twist this week, Sid, isn't it? It is, it certainly yeah, we've is. Got some, we've got some extra players. Would you, like to, would you like to tell us what's going on? So, for this week's last play, uh, we're involving the girlfriends of my esteemed co-hosts, Charles and Jamie. Uh, with Jamie, we have Hannah. Hello. Hello, Hannah. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Hannah. And uh, not with Charles, but uh, in the bath, in, <laughs> in the next... Oh, no, no, she's out. She's out of the bath. She actually got out of the bath specially. All right, Boff. How's Hi. it going? This is Boffy. Okay, so Boffy's here as well. Perfect. So what we're going to be doing is uh, a little bit of a test of, one, our uh, other half's knowledge of what we sit here on a Sunday evening talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and two, your confidence in your other half's knowledge of what we talk about on a Sunday evening. Oh, so dear. it's going to be rock bottom. This is this is. I mean, I know what shape a rugby ball is. That's pretty much as far as it goes. Okay, well, I'm 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 sort of prepared for for however low we might have to go <laughs> on this. What we're gonna do first, Hannah can pick because yes. she was here first. You can pick whether you go. First or second? Sorry, can we just take a moment to admire the uh, the effort the sharing going of in, a... in the in the fiddler household yeah, there? Nice. They're, they've got over like an Alice Band style headphones. It's embarrassing. And they've both gone. They've both gone inside the headphones, so stretching it across two heads. Yeah, well, it's either it's either that or you, you get a horrendous echo, and you're going to have to do lots of editing. So. Uh... <laughs> I mean, this looks great. If we could, it looks epic. Yeah, (laughs) screenshot this. We'll get it framed. What I'll be asking for is for you to go tit for tat. Each one of you will be listing teams that play in the Green King IPA Championship. 
So, depending on your confidence, well, depending on your confidence, you can say whether you want to go first or second. So, the first thing that I want out of all of you, Hannah, do you want to go first or second? First. You're going to go first, okay? Yeah. So Hannah's going first, and then this will be this will be a bit of a tiebreaker. Maybe <laughs> we'll chat this in there as well, mainly just so I can put you on the spot. Jamie, I have two questions for you. One, do you think Hannah's going to win? And two, if so, by how many? How many more teams will she know? Oh, so... No cheating. No, either of you, either pairs. Are you back? I... Don't, don't, don't look don't, Look at me. <laughs> look at my eyes. <laughs> I don't think Hannah will win. <gasps> Rude. No confidence. Well, well I was going to say, I don't think Goff's going to win, so this <laughs> could be a great game. <laughs> so you both think that I'm a... Okay, right. All right, well, that's clear enough. Tell you what, we'll forget the uh, by how many then. We we just know that. Okay, all right, so... Yeah, I mean, I'll be be in the doghouse for quite a while if I tell her how many that I don't think she's going to win by. Right, so, Hannah, I want you to name me a championship team. Saracens. Saracens is correct. Boff? Oh, no. I can't even think of a place. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, York. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, York is not there, so we're falling at the first hurdle. This is. <laughs> um, what's the, what's the tiebreak question? Well, tell you what, well, Hannah, can you, go, can you go one more? Wasps. <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, 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 don't count either. Well, okay. Wasps are premiership. Okay. <laughs> so Hannah got one, <laughs> but she did get to pick who got who went first. So now we'll go on to round two, okay? And um, Boff, you can go first for this one. Yeah. So you might have heard in the news there's an upcoming. Uh, I doubt I've heard in the news. Yeah, you might have. You might have. There's a there's a there's a big tour that happens every four years where uh, all the best players from England, Ireland, Scotland and Wales come together, beg your pardon, Jamie, and then they uh, form a team called the Lions and they go on tour to a Southern Hemisphere nation and they're going to South Africa this year. So I want you to name a back line. So I want a scrum half, a fly half, two centres, two wingers and a fullback. I want your I want your best players that will go on that plane to South Africa. Okay, <laughs> just whoever you like, and then is, is there a is there a time limit on this one? Uh, we'll, Sid, you severely misjudged. We'll we'll, 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 we'll hurry you along, and then uh, and then Hannah, you'll go. Well, do they have to be rugby players, or can they just be people that I think might be good? Well, I mean, rugby players will probably be the best for it. But if you find yourself, you know, really struggling, then this is this is part of it. And then I, like we did in week one, I'll just basically rank who I prefer, and then that will be the winner of this round. So, Boff, yeah, your team. Who would you like at scrum half? Right, I reckon uh, Itoji. I've it, heard Itoji of him. at scrum half. Right, Itoji at scrum stuff. half. All right, okay. fly half. Interesting. Fly half. Next one. Who's he passing that ball to? Kicking duties. Fiddler, no cheating. Owen Farrell. Oh, it's got to be some cheating going on there. No, I didn't say anything. I just said... No, because I think he's really good looking, so I like him. Okay, we'll give you Farrell. Farrell, 10. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, who we got in the centres? 
You, oh. you like one of those as well. Do I? Yeah, the place for England. Hey, oh, cheating. Henry, Henry Slade. Well done. Henry Slade. Oh, no. I don't no. feel like you're getting minus no. points here. This is looking strong, right. but I'm going to be taking this into account. Any more cheating? <laughs> so you got Slade at 12. You got 13. Mike Tyndall. <laughs> Mike Tyndall. He could do a job. Yeah, all right. Mike Tyndall. Okay. Yeah. Tins, yeah, okay. I want two wingers and a fullback, so three, three speedy fellas. So I can't think of any more rugby players, so I reckon I'm going to go for Usain Bolt. Yeah, okay, Usain Bolt, he'd, he'd do well. We'd, well. I think we'd have some trouble getting him to qualify, but... Yeah, maybe. <laughs> oh, no, I reckon I know another one. Johnny May, I reckon. Johnny May? Oh, this is, this is... Was that... I mean, Fiddler's, Fiddler's obscuring his face a little bit there, but yeah, carry on. Oh, I know. No, I, <laughs> yeah, I did not more. help her out at all. One more there. Uh, one more. Someone quick. I think Winnie the Pooh would be a good <laughs> player. You so think tough Winnie the strong. Pooh is fast? Winnie yeah, look at him. Pooh. He's athletic. All right. Okay, I look forward to when we put this out for our uh, committed audience wow. of rugby fans. So thank you very much, <laughs> Boff, for your input. We'll, we'll switch over to Hannah now. I thought that was a good effort. So Hannah, what are we saying? Scrum off to for your line. So tour. I only know the name of one rugby player. So it's going to have to be him first. I would go Johnny Wilkinson. Johnny Wilkinson at, at scrum off, yeah. Absolute okay. legend. Yeah. Great shout. Yeah, that's that's what I thought. So he can go there. Johnny Wilkinson. Okay. To be fair, he could. You could just have six Johnny Wilkinsons. Yeah, and yeah. That, uh, what about a fly off? <laughs> You've got Wilco at nine. So what is a fly half? What do, what do they do? Uh, kicking and passing. Well, I'm going to have to go for a footballer because I don't know any more. It makes players, logical so I'm sense. Put Dave, David Beckham there. David Beckham. Oh, great show. Bex. Okay. And your centres, your tough guys. Tough guys. So these are like big, burly guys, yeah? yeah. So the opposite of Jamie. Yeah, okay. Thanks, Fids. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have The Rock. Oh, oh, the rock! The rock that's a great what a cool. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. That is good, isn't it? Okay. The Rocket Inside Centre. Yeah. What a, you can't get much more posh up, than yeah. that. Yeah. So I, if if I've got one good one, then I can pick some others that aren't so good. And then maybe right. a, maybe a slightly faster one at outside centre. I'm know. going for James Corden. James Corden. I mean, look, I'm I'm giving points for when they actually qualify to play for. He's got strength. No, he doesn't. And he's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, my God. He would be a good tourist. Yeah, to be yeah, true. good tour man. <laughs> yeah, it's very important. And now you need, no, now you need your, your, free, your free quick players. I mean, I don't know many sports people, so I'm going to go for guys that I know that may well be actors, Just guys but that I you think know. could be fast. <laughs> Jamie. Guys that I know. Um, so I'm going to go um, Ryan Gosling. Okay, again, we might have to go through some uh, passport um, <laughs> There's going to be English, Irish, Scotland. Um, well, I think we're past that already. <laughs> oh, yeah, the rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, fair. Yeah, and Winnie fair. the Pooh. Right, um, keep going. <laughs> I mean, it's quite a stretch for me to know their nationality. Well, I, I, I heard that Ryan Gosling's got Scottish grandparents. Who else could be fast? This is, this is really hard for non people know, that know nothing know. about sport. Um, let's go for Channing Tatum because, I mean, Solid. he looks like he could play rugby, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, okay, fair. And maybe Jamie Dornan, you know, the guy that's in Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> right, okay, is there something I should know? No, he's just, well, he's Irish for a start, so that's allowed, right? Points. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. And he's just athletic looking. 
Okay. So I think he'll be good. Jamie Dornan at fullback. Just to review, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Boff's team. Uh, we've got Maratoje at scrum off, uh, Owen Farrell at fly off, Henry Slade at 12, Mike Tindall at 13, uh, Usain Bolt and Johnny May on the wings, and Winnie the Pooh at fullback. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it wasn't for Winnie, but Winnie the Pooh, that's a that's Where a good. Where did that line. even come from? <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, I mean, she's done well. She's got more, many more rugby players than I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's gonna, yeah. I think that'll play a part. And then uh, Hannah's got Johnny Wilkinson at scrum off. Interesting. Uh, David Beckham at fly off. Dwayne the Rock Johnson at twelve, and then James Corden at thirteen. Ryan Gosling, Channing Tatum. And Jamie Dornan making up the back three. I mean, I'd buy a ticket for that game. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, to be honest, I'd buy a ticket to see Winnie the Pooh play a game of full contact rugby <laughs> against Mario Tony, <laughs> Owen Farrell, Henry Slade, Mike Timmons, Tim Bolt, and Johnny Ray. Uh, so yeah, I do think yeah, Boffy's won that one. I think so. You uh, won. That, you had that, won. That makes it one all. Uh, so that if that counts as a round, what is um, another? There's another section. Well, oh, I, no, I didn't plan on it to be honest. Um, <laughs> um, for this tiebreak question, if anyone can tell me how many points you score for a try in rugby league without their boyfriends prompting them, you win the game. How many points for a try in rugby league? Just shout, just shout it as soon as you're ready. As soon as you know, buff. I reckon five. Hannah? Seven. No. Three. No, not three either. Hannah, you'll go again. Four. Four is correct. Hannah wins. Well done. Thank God for that. Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right, Jamie, four, three. Next week. See you later, everyone. That was everyone. an entire Bye. fluke Thanks. of a Good win. Pod, everyone. <laughs> oh, God. That was a horrible mistake doing that, wasn't it? That was a lesson, wasn't it? I thought that was going to go down a different road. I thought that was going to be a couple of minutes of... Oh, Saracens. Oh, Elin. Oh, they've got one in Doncaster, haven't they? And then that was it. And then you maybe you maybe stopped. <laughs> anyway, I'm sure. I hope you all enjoyed it. I hope you all enjoyed it. Well, I'm not quite sure how you follow that. So uh, it's a good thing that we're at the end of the podcast, isn't it? It's a good thing so... we're at the end of that game. <laughs> there we go. That was uh, a little bit more tortured than perhaps you'd hoped for, Sid, but, uh, but there we go. Um, great great uh, Overestimation in my books. <laughs> so all that remains to be said is thank you very much for listening to us once again this week. We hope you've enjoyed it. Please do get involved on social media at changingroom underscore four on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, email us email us if you've got any thoughts comments likes dislikes we're changing room for podcast at gmail.com we hope you have a good week and hope you'll join us again next weekend for round eight of this well rapidly finishing championship we're almost uh we're almost there so round eight on its way next week so fids sid Thanks to you guys as well. It's been another entertaining week for me and I hope it has been for you. I'll I'll catch up with you next week. Speak to you then. I'll come along. Bye.